Well, I think often about what my aunt said. She said, I don't know who your podcast is for, but I like it. And I'll take that as a five-star review. But I do know who this podcast is not for. If you're one of the Bezos bootlickers or the Musketeers or any of the, the billionaire simps, one of those who goes to bat for the billionaires at every chance they can get, call them job creators, even though uh pretty sure they lay off more people than any small business possibly could. That they're the ones working behind the scenes to actively buy off, bribe our politicians so we never have a chance at universal health care, a thing that exists almost in every other modernized first world country around the globe, except here in America. So they actively, these truly wealthy people, and the weird part is, is like, they don't have to, you know, we just saw Musketeer lose, what, $44 billion last year? Like, he lost more money than everybody you know will ever make. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like, he lost more money than, I don't know, than some small countries make. Uh, he lost more money. Like, my point being is... He's losing so much money and not going broke. So these guys don't have to actively work against or fight against the working class. That's where they are special. Not everybody's sadomasochist like these guys. You know, it takes a real knack of hating humanity to exploit, work against them having health care, uh, work against them having decent working conditions, work against them uh, or just deny them a livable wage. For the people that, like, you read about these people that work at Disney and are homeless or live in their cars. I'm sure you've seen the, I think it was Frontline or someone did a whole story on it. We're talking about, like, not only the happiest place on earth, inside the gates, but the wealthiest place on earth. And they just choose, just choose not to pay people. They could. They wouldn't go broke. In fact, it probably wouldn't even impact what the higher-ups make. They can do it. And the proof is, is look at how much money they put into stock buybacks. Anyways, let me get back to the point. This podcast is not for the people who idolize those wealthy. The wealthy, especially the working class folks who idolize and defend the wealthy, um, the billionaire class that is actively doing everything to make sure that when you need a sick day, you have to use your vacation day. And that you're strictly limited to, what, maybe two weeks a year? You should look into how many uh, or how long the vacations in Europe are. So that's who this podcast is not for. And the rest will kind of sort out as we go along. I'll have more information on who this is for soon.
<laughs> Maybe you just heard that and you're like, not for me. I love my Tesla. I just won't put it in self-drive mode. And I would encourage you to do that. Always use self-drive mode, right? Put your trust in the these people. So I want to talk about another billionaire that was in the news. The Stockton Rush. Jesus, if that ain't a billionaire's name. He comes from the House of Rush, which, I don't know, I didn't do too much research, but just everywhere I looked, it kept saying, he comes from a wealthy household. Of course, you don't get named Stockton Rush. Reminds me of like a Tucker Carlson. The imagery is the same, right? Old rich white guy. Old money. Generational wealth. I don't want to know about their lineage. I'm guessing they maybe came from a family that owned people. Not sure. But what I do know is this Stockton Rush guy. That name just kills me. Stockton Rush. Here is... Like, that's not a baby's name either. That is a... You were either born a preppy jock at an elite private school. And then you immediately become a middle-aged adventure-tier billionaire. That's what your name had your fate written on it. But Stockton Rush came from an oil family. And ironically enough, in my research and reading about uh, this Titan sub that imploded, I don't know. I think that's what they've decided happened. But it turns out that he was kind of building these subs to eventually help oil drillers scan the bottom of the ocean. Like just the worst of the worst kind of people. He was going to make money off the tourism part of it. And then once he got into the hundreds of millions or whatever he was trying to get for funding, and it was turning a nice old creamy profit, he was hoping... uh and, you know, the, the subs weren't imploding. I guess that was a big factor. But, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, he was hoping to sell these subs or rent out his services to his grandfather, father, I don't know, their associates in the fossil fuels industry. And they would go scan the bottom of the ocean to drill. Which, I don't know if the irony is lost on him that, you know, to have a tourism submarine adventure business into the bottom of the ocean. But then at the same time hope to sell um, some of that business to people who would eventually drill at the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. Might be destroying your business. <laughs> right? Did, did he not think of that? Does anybody remember the BP oil spill? When it just kept pumping oil into the ocean? I mean, I guess that could be the third business idea. Come down and see the oil drilling. And all the oil pumped into the ocean and watch this rare exotic wildlife, ocean life, this marine biology just get decimated from the oil we're, 
were leaking into the ocean. I don't know. It just seems so dumb that he's like, ah, I want to start a tourism company to see the bottom of the ocean. And then if we get there, you know, uh, I'll help these people drill down there. So you're going to drill and destroy that habitat too? All right. Okay. But again, who am I to question this guy's business calls? And that's what I wanted to get into. I was reading this article he did, or interview, that they typed out into an article with CBS News. It's something Pogue. What's the... Pogue is the interviewer's last name. He's one of the obscure interviewees. CBS has what? David Muir? 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 I don't know. Um... I don't want to call him Andy, do I? I feel like every news crew has an Andy. And I can't find his picture. And I scrolled away from the... Whatever. We're just going to go with the last name. The interview with the uh, CBS dude named Pogue. And I want to read some of the transcript. Because it is fascinating. And again, is it ironic? Uh... The way this Stockton Rush thought David Pogue. Oh, it's a David again. I feel like David, Matthew, Michael, all generic news names, right? Uh, Hold on, I'm getting back to it. I was so busy trying to find David Pogue's name. (laughs) Hmm, 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 hmm. Oh my gosh, where did I... And I lost the part of the interview. It's just so fascinating. And and I wonder if this is irony or not, that this guy, Stockton Rush, felt... Here it is. So, a little earlier in the interview, he's talking about... He says, I worry more about people falling and having a head injury, breaking their arm, collarbone, you know, you're on a boat. The most dangerous thing is the boat. So Stockton Rush, the millionaire, whatever, wealthy, rich kid who owns the Ocean Gate Titan sub, said the most dangerous thing is not the sub, it's the boat that launches the sub. The submarine has to go on a boat. It can't do anything itself. It'd be brought out to the ocean, and he's claiming it's the most dangerous thing. And David Pogue says... You call that more dangerous than this sub? Stockton Rush goes, yes. Once you've been sealed inside this. (laughs) Does he not hear himself? Again, Stockton Rush, which earlier in the interview or later in the interview, this is the interview I was reading because he says safety is a waste. And he goes on to explain, you know, you got to, he says you're remembered for the rules you break, not the rules you followed. Uh, and so on and so on. But uh, basically, because he had the money, he just felt like safety was a waste, a waste of time, a waste of resources. He describes how the inside of his tub d- sub doesn't need everything that James... Well, he doesn't say James Cameron, but if you ever seen James Cameron, who went down to the Titanic, the Avatar guy, the Titanic movie guy, and if you ever seen his little one-man vessel... It's got all this, the, you know, it looks like it's out of the movie Avatar. That's how much machinery and technology it has in it. And if you've seen inside Stockton Rushes, it has a Logitech controller. And that's about it. <laughs> and even in that, he says, 
You just need something simple and then backups. And again, reading this interview is just remarkable because you wonder if he hears what he's like. Do you hear yourself speaking or do you just say stuff and think people maybe you know what? I think the the rich kid in Texas who tried to get off because what was it? Affluency. He was too affluent. I forget what the claim was, but he was like, I'm too rich. I don't know the rules. I think that's something with these rich people. Because they're surrounded by so many people that just yes them to death because they love that they have money and they think it might drip off them or they just think they might get a job, their job created. I don't, I don't know. People kiss their ass so much. Same thing with celebrities. It becomes delusional for them. And you just wonder if Stockton Rush hears himself talk. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's not a stupid guy, right? He built a sub. Why do you got to get sealed in? Did he just want to cut a corner and not have like a way to open the hatch? Ah, we'll get it. Well, let's finish reading. I get so caught up in reading like one sentence going, is this guy a moron? Are you a maroon? I would have loved to interview him. Ah, yes. Once you're sealed in. So here we are. Stockton Rush. Yes. Once you've been sealed inside this, we have four days of life support. That is the safest place on planet Earth, he says. The entire world could be destroyed. A nuclear bomb could take out the ship and we, for four days, were alive. End of four days, we're dead. And in parentheses, laugh. And again, that whole clip, that part of the interview starts with him saying, yes, once you've been sealed inside. Meaning that he can't shut it himself. He's getting screwed and bolted into that thing. And then he goes on to say the whole Earth could be destroyed and we're in the safest place. Really? Because if Earth is destroyed, who's going to unscrew you and let you out? It sounds like you're either the dumbest person or you're in this limited vacuum of a safe place. Almost more like you, you sealed yourself in a time bomb. An oxygen time bomb. Where... No matter what happens outside on Earth, if somebody doesn't come to rescue your ass, and just by rescue, I mean just unscrew you out of there, you're, and I'll quote you on this, again, I'm quoting Stockton Rush, at the end of four days, we're dead. So it doesn't matter. It's not a safe place. Would you, let me just ask you, if I said, (laughs) at the end of four days, you're dead in this space that I'm putting you in. Would you consider it the safest place on Earth? I mean, maybe if you didn't live on oxygen, or maybe if you're just a complete maroon, I really think there's something mentally wrong with these wealthy people. And then Stockton Rush continues on in this interview to say, it is like we just put you in the world safe, and it doesn't matter what happens outside. As long as you scrub the carbon dioxide and add oxygen, you're going to be fine for a while. I love how he doesn't equate this to we're inside of a ticking oxygen bomb. And if somebody isn't there to let us out, it doesn't matter what happens because we have four days of oxygen and then we die. But for him to position himself as like, this is the, I'm more worried about the ship. I'm not. On the ship, I know in four days, I'll still be breathing. 
these people are so I don't know. It's like they live on a different planet. Like they're so rich that they don't even. <laughs> I don't know how. It's one of those things where I wonder if David Pogue, the interviewer, was thinking like maybe he's not hearing himself out loud either. Well, he goes. <laughs> David Pogue actually goes. What about the scrubbing the carbon dioxide? What if that system fails? Good. Good on David Pogue. He's like you know playing with kid gloves with this guy. He's like. You know, it doesn't sound safe. What if the system fails? And Rush goes on to explain that we have two systems. <laughs> Again, not much, not much better. What if the backup fails? Or irregardless, what happens at four days? Oh, yeah, that's right. Stockton Rush already said, you're dead. So it's just, I don't know. Is there an irony? I think this is what I was saying before I didn't get to finish it. But is there an irony of him believing he was on the safest thing on earth, like being locked inside of a big safe, like a like a bank vault, being locked in, but, you know, limited on oxygen and not being able to open it from the inside? So safe outside of those things. Does he see, is it irony that he's going to take people down to the Titanic, which I believe, and again, I don't give a shit about the Titanic. I love, there was a tweet that said, why are white people so obsessed with the Titanic? And I said, hey, you leave me out of that. I do not care about that sunken ship. I could give a, I really, what are people going down there to look at? I seen like a clip of James Cameron getting excited about seeing this underwater clock with coral on it. He's like, that's the one in the movie. I'm like, who can't, what is this teacher? This is so dumb. If anything, the lesson should have been like, eh, you know, safety. <laughs> like, if anything, the entire lesson was like, you know, you should have good safety equipment. You should never feel like you're in the safest place on Earth when you're doing this kind of maiden voyage or whatever the Titanic was doing. So is it irony that this guy was bringing people down to the Titanic, pitching it as the safest place on Earth? Where the Titanic was doing the same thing and they're going down to see its sunken splendor, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the fascination is. I'm so baffled at what the fascination is with this ship. This underwater treasure trove of what? It's a graveyard and it's impossible to get to. Is that it? That they're like, ah, I'm doing it and I'm so elite. I'm one of the only people. Oh. This is what rich people do <laughs> while they're not denying us health care and making sure we aren't paid equivalently to what inflation has raised to. This is what they do in their spare time. Like I said, I, I have no sympathy for a guy who said safety is a waste. And like I told one of my friends, I said, we can't afford to die like that. We can't even afford to die like that. And... I don't know. I think it's kind of weird that he was echoing the Titanic while visiting it. Maybe maybe that's not irony. Who knows? I'm not going to look up the definition of irony. But I think that is, you know. Echoing the Titanic sentiment while going down there. Only to, uh, you know, not be the safest place on earth. But who could have seen that? Who could have seen that? I'm tell I just wonder who could have seen that coming, huh? 
don't know. People who want to live for five days? Jesus. Oh, the Stockton rush. Anyways, I just want to address that because that's been bugging me. And apparently, like, the internet's, like, you know, mad that people are like, who gives a rat's ass? This guy imploded. Oh, well. He thought safety was a waste. He was going to try to destroy the ocean anyways by selling, you know, the rights or whatever to get oil drillers down there. Yeah, sounds like he was one of the bad guys. There's some other stuff I want to talk about, too. But uh, this has kind of gone on for a while. <laughs> Longer than I thought. What is with people's obsession with the Titanic, really? I mean, there's no science to be learned from it, is there? I could be wildly wrong. And they're like, no, you know, we're, we're learning about it. I still think it's interesting that, like, you know, they're really close to Boston and they hit an iceberg. Um, so what does that tell you? There were icebergs at one point close to Boston, like a hundred years ago. That's freakish. Um, yeah, Stockton Rush. Safety is a waste. I don't, I, I don't know. Do people feel bad for him? Again, just the fact that, like, you know, it's like owning a bunch of tigers, being really wealthy and owning a bunch of tigers. And then you get mauled by one. It's like, yeah, it's kind of par for the course. You know? Nobody was surprised when people got mauled at Tiger King's, Lion King, whatever that Netflix guy's name is. That wasn't shocking. People were watching and waiting for it. It was not shocking. <laughs> so, are we shocked? That a guy who's talking like he was selling tickets to the Titanic. It's the safest vessel on the ocean. I'd be more worried about the boat. Once they lock us in here and we have no recourse to get out. Uh, you're, you're as safe as you could be in the world. For four days. Like, he's a moron. He was a really rich moron. And I think that's how he'll be remembered. Oh, man. All right. That's going to be enough for now. <laughs> I gave you a fair warning. Listen, if you love these uh, billionaire types and you just think they're, you know, the second coming, yeah, this podcast ain't going to be for you. I'm more for the working class people. You know, the people uh, who are being exploited constantly and sometimes secretly. I just read about uh, the antitrust lawsuit that's going to be happening to Amazon. And I was reading about how uh, independent sellers on Amazon, people who are trying to start their business, get their business up. You know, you see these little shops on Amazon. Amazon takes more than 50% of their sales from these sellers. And the fees were just incredible. It was like, you know. 15% for advertising, 30% for warehousing, 20% for, um, I forget, like listings. It was like all these like exorbitant. So really, Amazon's just taken half your business just for, it is not a, like, I know they like to promote, like, oh, we got small businesses on here and we help the little, no, they're eradicating every small business. That's the other thing that's always funny to me. These people that are like, think Jeff Bezos is some kind of gift to the working class. 
and they don't realize like if you like the mom and pop shops in your town well, Amazon is coming for them I read one story about how some of these mom and pop shops that make a really great item right whatever it is let's say it's like a tripod for a camera uh, something obscure right they make the best one they make the best gimbal or whatever for the influencers the YouTubers Everybody buys it. Well, what Amazon does is because they got to sell their product through Amazon, where they've chosen to, because that's like how you sell things nowadays. Amazon will go in and force somehow forcefully figure out how they make that product, and then they duplicate it. They replicate it and duplicate it and sell it as a quote-unquote Amazon basic, which is like the knockoff version of whatever you want to buy, but it's done it such a cheaper cost because Amazon obviously has all their stuff built overseas and they have just decimated these small businesses by doing that and selling it. So mind you, next time you go on Amazon, if you see something promoted, like, Hey, here's the Amazon basic. And it's like a version of something, you know, that's what Jeff Bezos did. That's what his money and wealth created a way to steal product ideas, really good ideas, make it at a much lower price, and then promote it as an Amazon basic while eradicating the small businesses, the local folks that actually did all the work to create that. It's really depressing. (laughs) And to end on a high note, all right, well, that's this episode of For the People. I am Rob. This might not be for you. And if not, toodaloo, kick rocks, get out of here. Go see if Jeff Bezos gives a rip about you. I always wonder that. Like the people that love Elon Musk, go work for him. Really, do it. Go see how much you love him after he's your boss for a little bit. Well, I guess maybe if you're like a white nationalist, you're like a, you know, apartheid fan. You might love it there. Who knows? Who knows? Thanks for listening. Make sure if uh, you listen on, what is it? iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Leave a five-star rating, review, and spread the word. Share the podcast. That's how this gets around. I'm looking at you. Actually, I'm not. This is an audio recording. Check out my YouTube channel. Appreciate all the help. Power to the people.